Welcome to Modern Day Missionaries, a podcast by Modern Day Missions created for missionaries by missionaries. I'm your host, Stephanie Gutierrez. Do you know what two-thirds of missionaries have in common? They're women. We can't afford to not understand the majority of the missions serve force. So get ready to hear from Denise Beck, Executive Director of Velvet Ashes, as she delves into the unique challenges faced by female global workers and the unique gifts they have to offer. Denise shares insights that will challenge your assumptions and inspire a deeper understanding of the vital role women play in spreading the gospel. Welcome to this episode of the Modern Day Missionaries podcast. Today, I'm so happy to have Denise Beck with us. Denise is the executive director of Velvet Ashes, which is an incredible organization if you have not heard of it. It provides encouragement and resources for women serving cross-culturally. And she is passionate about ministering to women serving Christ abroad, especially those in challenging places. And Denise holds a degree in crisis and trauma counseling, hence the challenging places. <laughs> She's also her family uh, served for five years on the field in South Sudan and Uganda. So Denise not only has the training, but she speaks and serves from personal experience. And then her husband, Josh, is the executive director of Barnabas International, which is a member care organization that's impacting missionaries all over the world. So basically what we're saying is power couple. Yes. <laughs> and they also have four grown children on, on top of all that. So Denise, I just love that you both are leading organizations that are impacting missionaries, each in unique ways, but with a similar heart. Like, would you ever have thought that you'd be doing this? Oh, no, absolutely not. And, you know, honestly, when we um, when we were actually went to the field. We never, we never wanted to leave. We thought that's where we'd be forever. And when the time came for us to leave, we, we prayed these three things. We said, Lord, you know, may we always be in contact with lost people. May we um, always be in ministry together. And, and may we just never um, not be involved with missions. And, and so to see the way that he has answered those three prayers through combining our hearts and passions into these two organizations is just something we had no clue when we prayed those three prayers um, as we were leaving the field. I feel like that is the story for so many of us who work in missionary care and support spaces. We all thought we'd never get off the field. And then God had this plan for us right. to be on the other side of things. And it's it's such a grace because there is this grieving when you come off the field. But then to get to support the people that you love you know, more than anybody else, it's just it's a gift. So it's fun to watch you and Josh do it with so much passion and so much excellence uh, and just see how those two things blend together. I, I love it. Oh, it's thank amazing. You. Thank you so much. I would say likewise, we've so enjoyed watching you and your husband in your spaces. And, and, you know, I was, I was talking with a missionary woman this last week and who was in the process of leaving the field. And she said, you know, you read all these stories of women who are there and serving and their stories are celebrated and you don't read the stories of those who are leaving. And, and we need to hear those stories, too. And so I feel like even the fact that we can sit here today, Stephanie, and say there's there's still life after service on the field, that you don't have to be done ministering. And we can, we're in the role of championing those who are still on the field, and we want to do everything we can to support them. But But yeah. everyone will have a season when they leave, and the Lord isn't done with you just because you're not on the field anymore, right? That's so good. Well, and Denise, as you and I were talking about uh, the topic we were getting in today, uh, we're leaning into some of that expertise that you have with Velvet Ashes, and that is talking about some of the unique challenges that women face on the field. I do, though, say, want to say at the top of the episode, this episode is not just for women. Just because we're talking about women does not mean it's just for women. So if you're a man listening, 
odds are huge that you're serving with women on your team or maybe you're married to one or you will be. Because when we look at the stats, women make up the overwhelming majority of missionaries. I think last I, I read it was about two thirds. You know, the majority of single missionaries are women and then half of every married couple. So you get, you know, around 70 percent of all missionaries in the world are women. And the latest stat from the World Christian Database is that there are 445,000 global missionaries. And so that means 311,000 of them are women. So if you are a man listening to this, you know, you would just it would benefit you to just understand this large army that you are maybe working with or leading an organization that supports, you know, so this is not just a topic for women. There is a large army of missionaries on the field that are perpetuating the gospel in some of the most unreached places in the world. Absolutely. So it's not just to their benefit. I'd say it's critical that we understand what's going on with our fellow with our fellow workers on the field, and the majority of them are women. So this is not women's issues and women's topic. That makes these people topics, right, missionary absolutely, topics. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I would say that right, wrong, or indifferent, the majority of sending orgs and teams are led by men. And so we need to understand that how to work with women is not just a woman's issue that if you are supporting women well, if you're understanding their challenges, sometimes those women who are on your team aren't maybe the ones doing the ministry, but if they're able to support their family well and their children well, that's going to impact the longevity of the team and the ministry that can be done there. And so helping to support women who are living cross-culturally, whether they are doing the work or supporting their spouse who's doing the work is critical to the work being done. And so, um, it is imperative that we understand these unique needs that women face serving cross-culturally. And yes, women have unique needs, um, just whether, no matter what country we live in, we have unique needs. And then put those in a cross-cultural context, it matters. And so that's what Velvet Ashes does, is we want to sit in that space to say, if we can create resources and longevity and understanding for this group of women, then connect the dots and the gospel is going to be somewhere longer and healthier and the people that are bringing it are going to be healthier and happier and it's going to make a difference in the long run and so so that's why velvet ashes exists and you're right it is not just a woman's thing it is a gospel issue and so we sit here hoping that our presence continues to expand the gospel in greater numbers and magnitudes and greater impact all over the world what was it that drew you initially to Velvet Ashes, Denise? So I went to the field. I think most people would maybe say I was a more of a non-traditional. My husband and I weren't just fresh out of college, which a lot of people seem to just, you know, graduate and hit, a, hit an airplane. We had kids that were ranging from ages 5 to 12 years old. And so um, so we were pretty well established. We had I had the moms group that helped me with, you know, what, what doctor do you go to? And, and how do you deal with this youth group problem that you're having with your kid? And you know, I had the mentors that helped me with my marriage is complicated right now and I don't understand how to deal with this. And, you know, so I had all this support system in place. I had I was well grounded where I was. And then we got this call to go overseas and and I'm all of a sudden in another culture and all of those things became irrelevant. The rules changed and all of a sudden those weren't there for me anymore. And and I didn't know why I felt so out of place because because we were trained about, you know, living in the bush in Africa for my context. And we were trained about how to spread the gospel, but we weren't trained about what do you do when you don't have a woman to call and ask about 
where to go to the doctor anymore, you know, and and someone who can help you understand when your kids are struggling because they don't understand why people only want to play with them for their things. And and, you know, it's just these these hard things that you all of a sudden don't have a support system for anymore. And so when I became aware of Velvet Ashes, it put words and structure to this is what I felt. And and I realized that there were women out there that had gone through what I had been through that understood what I needed, but they just weren't with me. I, I was really remote. And and what Velvet Ashes was doing was creating those connections, this virtual living room, a gathering for women, no matter where you were in the world, to be able to say, oh, you are in my same situation and we can connect and share and feel like we're not alone anymore. So so when I was approached about, you know, becoming the executive director, it didn't take me much time to realize I would not have a hard time finding the passion to do this job because it definitely fed into those holes that I felt when I was on the field that so many women were feeling because they just didn't know that Velvet Ashes even existed. Okay. I love that you said that kind of you're, you're living out your new calling. This new role is filling in the hole that you had before. I've said that so many times. Like I love what I do with modern day because I didn't have resources. Yes. So I love curating and finding resources for people. You desperately needed like female community and women to ask questions of. And so now you get to be a part of creating that. I do. I mean, isn't that just how God uses it? You also said virtual living room, which I thought was so great. Because living room, we just picture that sitting down with a cup of coffee, having conversations, processing what we're going through, asking questions. And you're so right, Denise, with with the whole resources piece. I remember when I was down in Peru, the best resources I got were through the people that I Mm -hmm. met. But in the beginning, it was like, where do I meet the people to get the resources that I need? And it was, I mean, how long before I found somebody who I could ask those kind of questions. Like, like you said, the doctor questions or kids questions. I mean, there's, we solve life so often through the recommendation and help Mm -hmm. of others. And when we are lonely and we don't have that, we're trying to figure all that on our own. When you think about that large number we talked about, you know, 311,000 women all over the world, imagine the different types of seasons they're all in. So, so you've got, you know, you've got single women and you've got married women and their struggles are going to be totally different. You've got single women. So if if you would just look at our website, we've got blogs all written by women who are serving on the field, hundreds, thousands of blogs, all um, women who are writing from their experience. And so I just took a look at like, what what are those top blogs? We've got parenting, grief, singleness, culture shock, marriage, re-entry. You know, these are things that are heavy on the heart of the women that are serving. And so um, each of those have different facets. So um, the single women that we minister to sometimes feel like they are overlooked. They sometimes feel like maybe they get all the work put on them because they don't have a family. So they feel like people don't respect that they need margin. Or sometimes they feel like their voice isn't valued because they don't have a husband on the field with them. They sometimes worried, maybe am I sacrificing the opportunity to ever have a husband by being here? You know, so they they struggle with those things. Married women have struggles that are different, but there are still struggles. They they worry about the challenges for their kids. You know, am, am I causing them to miss out on things or have struggles that they'll deal with for the rest of their lives because of the choices that I made, that we made to come here? They struggle with comparison. Like, you know, some women who are married, the only thing they can have the 
capacity for is to be a wife and a mom on the field. And that's okay. And there's some that that they have more capacity and they want to also have ministry on the field. And there's this tension of looking at each other and, and judging each other by the capacity that you have. So you have these judgment among these married women that are on the field. And and honestly, Stephanie, can can we just be honest and say that we have seen the biggest pandemic of pornography addiction on the field that we've ever seen right now. And and the women that we have coming to us who are so hurt. And I'm not saying that it is just a men addiction problem at all, but we have such an onslaught of women who have been so hurt by their men's addiction. And they feel like we can't possibly share this with anybody because it is not just an issue in our marriage. It's our livelihood. It is our ministry. It is our home. All of this are in jeopardy. And so we've got all of these issues that are just, who do I have that's safe to share it with? Who can I talk to about this um, on some level that women are dealing with? And then and then just all women in general, you know, we deal with grief. We deal with cross-cultural struggles of, I don't quite understand everything that's going on here in this culture. And I may never totally understand everything that's being communicated unless I live here 30 years, you know, and, and we just have to live in that understanding that we're just never going to 100% fit in here. And so, so there's all of these things that women come to the table with and they're looking around for somebody to say, can you help me with this? Can, can you help me? Can somebody please sit across from me and decipher all of this for me? And it's not going to be those groups that you had before you came because they don't understand what to do with malaria when you're asking them about what to do with that in your child. You know, so there's there's all of these new places that you need to look for for resources. So like we were talking about each other is maybe one of the best resources that we have. And providing those connections is one way we try to do that. Okay, so we've talked a bit about some of the unique challenges that women have. I'd love to almost just flip that on its head mm. and ask you, what are some of the unique strengths and perspectives that you see mm -hmm. women bringing to the mission field? I think, you know, it takes a certain person with certain convictions to be able to say yes to do what we're doing, to to say yes to a life that involves grief from the moment you say yes. You know you're going to grieve saying, I'm not going to be at everybody's wedding or funeral and I'm going to watch my parents age and I'm not going to sit, be at my nieces and nephews birthdays. And so you're also going to carry the grief of watching your parents struggle with the decisions that you made. And it, it you know, and all of that you say yes to because you are so motivated by a passion and a call that you believe in. And so those strengths and ability to take on challenges for the sake of something we believe strongly about creates this unique tribe of people that can endure hard things, can do hard things, and can honestly see things in a different perspective. And so they're a great group of people to be around. That's this unique tribe that we call missionaries, you know, the crazy people maybe, but yes. Yes, I would say the crazy people yes. were, were this interesting mix of like part ultra obedience because we are really obeying God. Yes. I mean, in the, in a very unique way, as you said, but then there's this rebel inside of us mm -hmm. too, because you have to rebel against culture and against yes. what a lot of people would advise you to do to get on the field. So like so obedient and super rebellious all at the same time. And when I say rebellious, right. I mean tongue in cheek, like I re rebel in a way that leads us to take Big, big risks. risks for God. And 
being okay to stay, I'm okay to look different than culture because I think that that's what we're rebelling against yeah. is we, we're okay to not fit in. And that's so scary to some people because we are definitely mm-hmm. going to stand out where we are, everywhere we go, actually. You join the weird club yeah, for life. and you do it with a smile going, all right, it is. Even once, even once you come back, if yeah. you come back, you're really never quite like anybody else. We, we speak our own language for sure. There are things like who else in everyday life says passport country oh. or says home constantly with quotation right. marks. I mean, there's just exactly or talks about visas obsessively. I and mean, there's just things that we talk about. It's so true. And, you know, if any, you're at a dinner with somebody and they're asking you like your work or where you live and it's like, oh, that's so complicated, you know, and and so like how many of you like were so trained to never say exactly what you did because for fear of it would get you kicked out of the country. And so you're like having to rewire yourself with like, oh, it's safe to talk about that in this country, you know? Yeah. it's So each country has and region has their own unique things too. But then there is kind of this global language. Um, that's fun that it brings us all together. And it is, it's fun to be with people who speak that kind of language. There's just something where you look at each other in the eye and you say a phrase and you bust out laughing because you go, oh my gosh, you see the world through this hilarious filter it's that I true. do too. It's so true. Yeah. Wouldn't want to be with anybody else yeah. though, really. What would you say would be some of the biggest challenges in each type of season? You know, I think that maybe one of the biggest challenges, probably that incorporates all of the seasons is that Satan really wants you to believe the lie that you aren't enough and that you're alone. And probably you could lay that over every season of life, whether you're single or married or leaving the field or married to a national, you know, like all of these seasons. Um, and, you know, I was I was just I did. A, we have a Velvet Ashes Legacy podcast and I interviewed a woman who was in East Africa and she was actually arrested. And that's probably something that's terrifying to most of us as we're thinking about going to the field. And and she was talking about you know, this verse that the Lord actually brought to her on a t-shirt as she's being arrested. She's sitting in prison and this, um, you know, Islamic man walks in wearing a t-shirt, you know, got from the market that has Joshua 1, 9 on it. Then the Lord brought her this message, you know, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Um, Do not be discouraged for the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. And I'm just like, he's reminding her in that moment, even if you go to prison, I'm going to be with you there. And and that's what I would just say is that no, where, no matter where he takes us, he has gone before us and he is there with us. And, and I think we can forget that sometimes when we get so turned around that this place that seems so unfamiliar, like, can he really already be here? And, and sometimes he, he communicates that he's here and gone before us through these other people that have gone before us, through these women that are the courage that their stories bring to us. But I would say another thing that's important in every season is do not neglect time for your spiritual growth because we sometimes get so into pouring out, there is nothing left for us. And and, and I, I, I say that and I feel it because I remember it. I don't know, Stephanie, if you ever got into that season, but it's like you just, there's nothing, there's not a church there for you. You are the church. You are providing the church. And so there's nothing else for you to fill up. And, and so, and you feel a little bit guilty carving away space for you to get away. And, you know, there's marvelous women's retreats. There's all of these, you know, Thrive and Asmira and probably more than that where you can go and, and be pampered and go to these beautiful places and they bring all of these resources and you leave so full. But 
there's not enough space for every woman to go to those. And there's not enough. The missionary friends that I worked with did not have the funds to do that every year, you know, but yet they probably needed to do it every year. Right. So, um, you know, so that's one of the things that um, Velvet Ashes also saw a need for. And so they created the online retreat, which is something that is no matter where you are in the world, it is something you can do every single year. It is spiritual refreshment for you. It is downloadable entire retreat for you to do. We've had women that do it in the bush in Africa by themselves. We've had moms that say, I value this so much and I can't actually get away, but the nap time for a week is reserved for the Velvet Ashes retreat. So they do it in our increments. Women that actually get people together and they go to a little place in their town and they do it. But it's it's so $35. It's You can do that every year if you need to, to be sure that you are have something on your calendar um, that feeds into your spiritual growth every year. And that's just one example that we have for you. But there's so many ways that you can maybe make that a part of your life to be sure that you are growing spiritually. And I don't know what that needs to look like, but don't forget to keep spiritual growth and spiritual formation as a part of your everyday week year rhythm while you're on the field. What were some of the ways that you found to be effective in those daily uh, rhythmic routines of your own personal Mm -hmm. formation when you were living abroad? Obviously, we were just talking about seasons. I had four kids and I was homeschooling and I was working on a degree on the field while we were doing ministry. I mean, it was, you know, crazy. So finding those times, sometimes it was as like, I left my Bible open on the kitchen counter because sometimes it was like, I've got three minutes and I'm walking by. And that was, that was something that I could do right then. So that, that was a season of, you know, just any minute that I could, I wanted to make it as easy as possible for me to, to have no barriers between me and the word in that season. Right. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, those moments with my friend who lived in another country, um, but she was on the field with me and we were in similar seasons. And so we would like get together like quarterly and just get to sit together and challenge each other. And we'd get to hear each other and get to call out the lies that we were believing in each other because we knew each other well enough, you know. And so it was structuring those rhythms in our lives where we could um, know what we needed for ourselves to be healthy on the field and to continue that spiritual growth. And, um, you know, and then always my husband and I sitting in the evenings and just, you know, trying to be those sharpening tools for each other. And, you know, sometimes that was with scripture. Sometimes that was just processing where we were at and just speaking truth to each other. And, and, you know, we lived in a hard place and sometimes it was, it was not, it wasn't easy. Like I say this, like it was easy. It wasn't. Sometimes there were long dry spells where we realized it's been a long time and we, feel it. We feel really dry, you know? And so like being proactive for each other and um, protecting Sabbath for our family, you know, that was something we really did on the field. It was known and we protected that day and it was so lovely. And in America, we have really struggled to protect that. And that's not something we've done really well, but on the field, it was, it was vital to our survival to be able to do that. So I love that you said it was known. Mm-hmm. There, there's something about when you become known for something, going back to the weird club, yes. you know, when you're known for this weird thing that you do called Sabbath, Sabbath or whatever your daily routine is, once you become known for it, it isn't as difficult to keep it. It still is because right. the enemy will always try and come against you. 
But being known for it, I, I think is helpful. I mean, I even think in my own family, um, I bought this prayer scarf that I put over my head. And my family knows when they see mom in the corner with my weird, because it looks weird kind of if you're not used to seeing that, that scarf over my head, they just know, hey, she's having some alone time with God. Doesn't mean they can't tap me on the shoulder. Doesn't mean they can't get me if they really need something. But if at all possible, they're going to let me they have know. that time They just know. That's like Jesus. The, is this Susanna Wesley and her like... Uh, that's what I was just yes. going to say. I love it. Yes, her apron. apron. Yes, that's what I thought of. But yes, when it's known... And so yeah. people just know, okay. And they become, okay. our neighbors knew this is the day the Becks are not going to answer the door and they're not going to, you know, this is their day to just be with the Lord and do their thing. Right. Exactly. And I can't cook to save my life. So I could not imitate Susanna Wesley in the apron. So I got a prayer scarf, you know, we each got to do it in our own way. And, you know, behind that, Denise, as I'm listening to, I'm thinking there for me was always this fear whenever I would take time for myself to be with the Lord or, or even to do just you know, straight up self-care practices, mm -hmm. there was always this fear of being unavailable or yeah. being perceived as unavailable. Like, oh my gosh, it's scary to put up boundaries because what if people think I'm not available to them? Well, that's the whole idea. You're not available to them for a little bit. And there's not something wrong in that. There's not something wrong in setting your phone aside or right. putting something over your head or saying this is our Sabbath day. It doesn't mean that in an emergency situation, right. you can't be there. But if we aren't known for something then we are always 100% interruptible. And I think what I love about watching Jesus' example is Jesus both got away, had boundaries, and was interruptible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was just reading with my daughter in Mark 6, I believe, 6 or 7, where um, John the Baptist is beheaded, his, you know, his cousins beheaded, his disciples are off doing their ministry tour. They come back two by two. And I think from what I see in scripture, it looks like John died while they were gone. So Jesus was not with his best friends. He's probably with his family while this all goes down. So he's grieving. He's exhausted. His disciples come back. They're probably on a total high from what just happened. Like all spilling words, like you're not going to believe what just happened. But then they're going through their own crash. We, you and I just got back from trips. We're talking right, about that right. after trip crash. So they got crashes going on. They got grieving growing on. And Jesus says, hey, hey, guys, uh, let's get away. Mm -hmm. Let's get away. Let's have some time alone where we can just be together and get refreshed. You know, my paraphrase. So they get in their boat and we all know what happens. <laughs> he starts sailing away and he gets off. And there, you know, people saw him getting in the boat. They chase him around and they're waiting for him. And you know, it really hit me when I was reading it this time is when Jesus was saying, you guys, we just got to get away. We just got to have this quiet time. I realized God didn't give him the heads up. He didn't know there were people waiting for him on the other side of the lake. Otherwise, he would have said, guys, we got to get geared up. We got a little bit more to go. We got to push through. No, there was this huge, huge crowd of people waiting for him. And he really genuinely thought he was going to get some time away. And he didn't. And Jesus steps into that moment. He gives the miracle of, you know, feeding the 5,000 plus happens. And then they do get a chance to get away. So it's that perfect for me. I love that story because I love watching him set boundaries, look for time with God, realize, okay, nope, I still got to push through and then still keep seeking that time with the Lord till he gets it. And I think it's such a good example that fluidity that we live as people, as women on the field, 
we set up boundaries, we put structure in place, we do always our best to get before the Lord, to be alone. And then yet sometimes things happen where we get to do a little adjustment. So like Mm -hmm. you talked about, leave my Bible open because I wanted to have my Bible time this morning, but I got interrupted, but my Bible's still open. So I'm going to get around to it and I'm going to keep trying all day long until I get there. Even in that story, the disciples were like, send them away. And Jesus said, no. And then they said, well, send us away to go get food for them. And he said, no. And so they're like trying to get out of it. And he's like, no, let's be here with them. You know, it's like, he says, you you feed feed them. Right. So it's like, sometimes those interruptions are not something for us to run away from, but there's something for us to lean into. Right. And so we have to be able to discern when those are the right times, when he's bringing those interruptions, when we have to, those are, those are his interruptions for us. Right. And so I agree. And I think that when we live in these countries that are so hard, like literally life or death, sometimes people would show up and we were the life or death for them. Our ability to get them help was life or death. And that weighs heavy on you, right? But in the times when it's not that, you are not going to have enough to give if you don't protect those 98% of those other times when it's not life or death for them, you know? You're, you really you're are. Absolutely you're right. protecting yourself to give more on those other days for sure. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I couldn't agree more. Just thinking of all the times even well, in the past and now uh, just in a family sense when I've been having my devotional time in the morning and my daughter's woken up too early, you know, according to me, not according to her. Right. And she has special needs. So she's, she's 21, but she's still kind of like six right. years old. So she's just, I, I, you know, I kind of just have this permanent elementary yeah child uh with me and i there are moments where i feel frustrated like god i set aside this time for you do you not see this and then you remember like okay what would jesus do if he were in my role i just was reading the book practicing the way by john mark comer which is yes outstanding so outstanding it just came up and it's just that living that day by day living uh moment living with jesus and he says in there it's not just what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus do if he were me? And so I've sort of asked myself that question. Okay, if Jesus was right here, if he was the mom sitting here in the chair and Madeline walked up, how would, would he respond? And that's been really even healthy for me. And so I thought, well, today Bible time is going to be me and her together. Yeah. And God has spoken to me so powerfully, even through those moments where, where I took whatever I was going to read and I read it to her. And it's it's actually those interruption moments have turned into this new beautiful thing between she and I, where where I'll say, she, you know, I go, Madeline, I go and I read the word every morning because God has something special he wants to tell me and I want to know what it is. So it's cute. She's even started coming in and because uh, I would say, Madeline, what do you think Jesus is going to say to us today? So she walked in the other day and she goes, what do you think Jesus is going to say to us today? I just felt so overjoyed that because I was able to flip that. Yep still have a boundary in a sense, because my boundary was that I'm still having time with Jesus, yeah. but I invited her into that space. Suddenly it became something that was for both of us there and actually something that deeply ministered to me. So I, I love that we're talking about uh, this boundary and this structure because it is so fluid. And if you think like, you know, Myers-Briggs, there's the J and the P. Mm-hmm. We got the J planners. We got the P flowers. And I think God calls us to live somewhere in between. Yeah. Yes, honor the personality that he's given us. Some of us will certainly lean toward more toward one than the other. But wherever we're at, 
he has moments where he's going to say, I, okay, I need you to lean into P a little bit more yeah. here. For those of you who don't know Myers-Briggs, P is the more flexible one, kind of the flow one. And then J, I need you to set up some more structure here. I want to make sure that we get this time together. So that's just even talking on a personal level. But I know something you and I have been talking about so much today is community. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like to um, find spiritual community in spaces sometimes where that's quite difficult? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that, that that is a big challenge on the field. Sometimes you find that you are the the only one, maybe, or you have a small small circle of those. And so, you know, at, at Velvet Ashes, we we provide some of that, you know, of course there's no, you know, stand in for actually having someone that you can sit with in person. But if you don't have that, um, we do have, we have this beautiful community and we have a membership community where it's safe. It is behind a firewall for those of you who are worried about security. And so the only people that are there are members that are cross-cultural workers. So you don't have to worry about, you know, posting something that your aunt who doesn't understand cross-cultural life is going to read because everybody that is in this community gets it. And in this community, we have spiritual formation that every month is new. So every month there's new content that goes up. So there's um, practices to lead you through. There's even, you know, video content that helps with that. And we're creating quite a huge library of that. And when, you be, when you're a Velvet Ashes member, you have access to all of our library of past retreats. So for the past, you know, eight years, we've been doing online retreats. We have, um, for the past several years, been doing two retreats, an unplugged retreat, which means you just put away all of your devices and you just have a retreat guide. So we've got webinars. We've got all of these things that, um, as a member, you have access to this community that can just help you grow spiritually, can answer your questions, can connect you to other people that might help be the person you need to have in that season to sit across from. Be open to what the Lord has because he's gone before you. He is there already. And what does he have for you in this place to minister to you because he cares about you as much as he cares about those that he has sent you to minister to? Absolutely. And I think we're called to have all different kinds of relationships. There's relationships with the people that we're serving there are certainly is a place for virtual relationships. I know I, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine my life without so many of the people who we started or maintained friendships online while serving abroad. And then there are people, like you said, in your expat communities or maybe other missionaries. And then I remember a real prayer for mine too is, Lord, give me friends uh, amongst the people who I'm serving, like Absolutely. nationals, like people who live here, who are from this country. And that was a, a game changer for me because in the first few years we were there, you have to, I mean, the language is a pretty important piece. Yes. You can find some who speak English and that's always fun. But I thought I want to be able to have friends in the language that I'm serving, which oh, is not goodness. something that's necessarily possible for everybody. But if you can, there's something so rich about also having friends in country and learning their perspective. We sometimes think that we, we need friends to be friends with people who are like us. Like I can serve people who are different than me, but I need to have friends who are like me. No, absolutely not. Right. Sure, you want friends who are like you. And that's where these communities are critical. You do want some friends who speak your language literally and figuratively. But you want friends who are different than you. I mean, why are we going to move to another country if we aren't going to make some right. friends among the people who are living there? So I think it's good to challenge ourselves too and just say, hey, Lord, 
what have you got for me here? I'm not just here to serve. I'm here to receive. Yes. And I'm not just here to receive through serving. I'm here to straight up receive. Exactly. What can my friends here do for me? I think it's a place of humility too, to be able to put ourselves in a place where we have well, this kind of friendship. And they, I think God's got a lot more for us than we think is possible. Well, and what can they teach me about you? Because their perception of yeah. scripture and their worldview and their culture and the way that they read scripture, oh my goodness, it opened my eyes and challenged me. And it was it was some of the most rich I don't know, teaching from the Lord that I had was to hear it through the eyes of my national friends and how the Lord was teaching them. And then they taught me because I would have never read it that way. I would have never gotten that out of the right? text. And so absolutely. 100%. Like talk to a Peruvian about hospitality. Oh my God. I did not know hospitality as like a gringa girl. Yes. I mean, I learned hospitality living in Peru and I learned that through my husband and I learned that through my friends. Denise, I, a question I want to make sure to ask you before, as we're getting ready to close this out too is let's talk to men for a second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How can men support the women in their life? Not only just support, but how can mm-hmm. they pull on them? How can they push them in a good sense? How yeah. can they enable them to thrive where they're at? What would you say to men? I would just say, you know, like we kind of started out with this, you know, realizing that you do have a role to play here. You, you know, a lot of you are in positions of leadership and when you are leading, look for the ways that that maybe you could support the women on your team. The first, an easy way is is don't neglect to ask the wives of the men that you're talking to how they are doing. How are they feeling? What do they think about it? Sometimes you only interact with one spouse, and you're not getting the whole story, and you're not you're not gleaning how her experience is, and so you're not able to make a full decision because. You're only hearing his perspective and maybe he's not able to communicate fully what she would communicate with you. So don't, don't just take his word for it. Look at her and ask her to communicate it to you and, and give her that respect and let her know that you value her opinion from her mouth, you know, and let her speak that to you. And, and that's just a little, that's a small thing that you can do as a leader of an org or a leader of a team, you know, just, just doing that. Um, Make sure that you create pathways for women to feel safe to communicate. Sometimes if there's not a woman in a position of leadership that they can talk to, then they're not going to talk. And so do you have women on your committee, on your team, on your leadership that they feel like they have access to? Or have you cut women off by making it an all-male-led place where there's nowhere that they feel safe to talk to? So creating those pathways in general. And then um, Stephanie, you and I were at a conference and there was a um, workshop that we were in together about spiritual abuse on the field. And um, the man who was presenting said that the majority of those experiencing spiritual abuse on the field are women at the hands of men. And so becoming aware of what does that mean to be a spiritual abuser on the field and recognizing that so that, number one, you can... If you're unbeknownst to yourself doing that, that you can stop or you can recognize maybe when it's happening to others, to those that you are in charge of caring for, to those on your team, to those around you so that you can help protect and empower and give them the courage to not sit under that um, spiritual abuse. Um, there's there's so many things that you can do to to encourage women, to give them a voice, to help them to succeed in, in the ways that you see that God has equipped them and um, encourage them when they feel down. It just means so much 
for women to feel like they have an advocate. I know that my husband is one of the biggest advocates for women. Even when we're at conference together, he's at the Velvet Ashes booth, asking men to come over. So you need to hear this. You need to see this. You know, be an advocate for the women on your team and cheer on the work that they're doing. Don't make them feel like it's second class because they're women on the team. Be biggest, the biggest cheerleaders of the women, even if that is you're doing such a good job with your kids and I see how happy they are. And you are doing such a good job making this place peaceful for your husband so that he can be out doing this work. Call out the work that they are doing, even if it is not what you would quote unquote call ministry, because they are a part of the ministry by being there. And so just don't neglect this huge army of women who are on the front lines doing the work, no matter what that work looks like. And I'd even add to that, I uh, if we're talking about uh, a married man, step into some of what your wife maybe is doing. If you are living out those traditional roles, we've we live traditional roles, we live non-traditional Absolutely. roles. We, we've done it all at our house. I'm sure you know you guys have too. But I, I love watching a man who would just say, you know, I'm 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 grabbing dinner, or let me let me uh, I'm gonna watch the kids for a couple of days. You go do something in in ministry, especially if it's in that little kid season. Absolutely. But taking the time to to push your wife out, not shove, but push in a gentle sense when you sense uh, her wanting to step into those ministry spaces. And that shifts a lot of times as kids get older. There are women who can thrive while their kids are little and just rock it at ministry. And that's amazing. And like you said, there are women who um, maybe wait on that until their kids get a little bit older. But when I see a man who is enabling and encouraging and cheerleading his wife in ministry, I look at that man and I say, no, that's a secure man. Right that's there. a secure man. We actually, I interviewed a woman for Velvet Ash's testimony and we went to her house and we're filming and her husband cooked the meal for all of us. And he said, and she's like, oh no, no, he does this all the time. In fact, he took it upon himself. His role on our team is to teach the men how to cook so that their women, their wives can go to language school because he thinks it's Come important. On. I loved it. I've never heard a man that, that he's like, championed that and made it his role on the team to teach the men how to cook. I love that so much. So yes, amen. It, I mean, it It says, I see the call of God on my life. I see the call of God on her life. And I see that everything that we do is valuable. Every role that we share together is valuable. There is no role that is higher or lesser. And so who does this role in this particular season? Now that is a secure man and that Absolutely. is a strong marriage. Absolutely. So I love that from a marriage perspective. And then as we look at the single women, what would you what would you say towards um, men who have single women on their team? I would say that there is a special role that men can play for single women. They need to know that they um, can't. It's not that they can't have a relationship with men. I think that there's this like weirdness between that and um, that the, providing that safe space for there to be a safe relationship and whatever that needs to look like on your team and, you know, protecting them, creating safe boundaries for them and also inviting them in to be a part of your family in safe ways. I would say, um, you know, one of the things, if you happen to be a team leader, what I have heard from single women is recognizing that they don't have somebody to go home and process with. And so creating a person for them to process with or creating time for them to go find someone to process with might take a little bit longer than just going home and having an evening. Like the married couples can do that on the car ride on the way home, but a single person might not have that. And so making sure that they have somebody that these big, huge team decisions aren't held in a vacuum, that they can have somebody that 
they can talk to and process with about it. So yeah, just being that safe person in whatever way is appropriate on your team for these single women um, is huge. So good. So we've talked about men serving married women, men serving single women, and then women serving women. We want to remind all the women out there too. Like you said earlier, Denise, it's not a comparison game. It's not looking and seeing who's doing the best. Or, and if they take that role, there's no space for me and she's doing more than I am. It's about all of us supporting and encouraging each other and recognizing and calling out the gift of God that is on each one of our lives and recognizing too, hey, maybe this is not something God called me into, or maybe it's just not my season mm-hmm. and my time will come too. And it doesn't matter really what I am doing. It just matters that I am doing what God's called me to do in this particular season. But it helps a lot when we aren't comparing each other or judging each other or getting jealous or going after each other. And we just celebrate. Look at what you're doing. That is amazing. Well, and you you talk about confident men. That's a confident woman. When you can go to somebody and cheer them on and tell them how proud you are of their differences and how non-threatened you are by them. That is a confident woman. You are absolutely right. And that's not easy to do. So when you can do it with genuine uh, love in your heart, then you know God's doing a work in me. Absolutely. doing a work in me. Absolutely. Well, Denise, let us know how people can connect with you. Yeah. So um, I would just invite you, come be a part of the Velvet Ashes community. Even if you you love women that serve overseas, if you are a woman that serves cross-culturally, it's not overseas all the time. I recognize that. And so some ways you could do that, follow us on social media. We post all of the time um, articles written by women serving cross-culturally or just things that might challenge you. It gives you insight into the life of women serving overseas. The Velvet Ashes Legacy podcast is an amazing way to just hear from those women and hear those stories. And then, you know, one thing that I just would say is an amazing gift you can give, whether you are sending church, ascending org, or just someone who loves global women is a membership to the Velvet Ashes membership community, it's not very expensive. It's $120 a year. And for that, they get access to all of the retreats, all of the webinars, all of this membership community, all of the new resources, book clubs, spiritual formation, everything for an entire year. And so if you don't know the gift to give a woman who's serving cross-culturally that will minister to her, this is a really easy way to just say, Hey, we as Ascending Org care about you and we want you to know that we care about resourcing you. So this is the one way that we know we can do that. And then the whole year, they have all of these resources at their fingertips. And so these are just some of the small ways you can get connected. And there's a lot of free ways to be connected with Velvet Ashes as well through our connection groups. And we have um, singles events and we have all of these things that we just try to be an online community that welcomes all of the global women who are serving cross-culturally. Um, so we invite you to just get connected with us in any way that feels appropriate for you in this season. We'd love to see you there. Okay. So Denise, you mentioned the online retreats that you have annually. When is the 2024 one? So we always have our retreats in the month of April. So April 1st, it, we call it retreat month and our online retreat opens and you have the ability to download and do the retreat whenever you want. But we always like to encourage our community to retreat together on the same weekend. And so retreat weekend this year is April 19th. And so we're we're doing something really fun this year, which for the first time ever, we're having a live open. And so our opening retreat session, we are recreating live for anybody that wants to hop on and just be a part of that. And actually for that, you don't have to be pay for the retreat. It's just free for anybody who wants to be a part of the retreat. Maybe you've been 
just want to get a taste of it, you aren't sure about it, hop on, do the live open with us and just kind of experience a little bit about what a Velvet Ashes online retreat is. April 19th. Denise, this is something I wish I would have known about when I was serving on the field. That's why when we met, I said, you got to come on and tell everybody. Because yeah, whether they're serving alone, whether they're serving with other people, this is a great space, even with the other missionaries who serve around you to say, hey, let's do this together. Let's let's create some community uh, physically, even uh, in this virtual space. Let's do this this study together. Let's do this retreat together. There's so many options. So really appreciate you just coming on and sharing everything that you did today and then just making people aware of the resources that you have through Velvet Ashes. So thank you for all that you do for women serving overseas. I really appreciate it, Denise. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. It's always a joy to be with you. I so appreciate this. Thanks for letting me share about this. And um, thanks for the work that you're doing to create and bring more resources to everyone serving all over the world. Ah, it has been a treat. Well, and to everybody who's joined us today, thank you so much for coming, and we look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Since 2008, Modern Day Missions has been providing financial, administrative, and marketing services to Christian missionaries around the globe. We're currently partnered with more than 750 missionaries in 75 different nations. If you or someone you know are looking for a nonprofit covering to fulfill your mission's vision, Modern Day could be the answer you're looking for. Find out more at modernday.org.